you got Lake Call up onto the bench. Mike got 10 minutes on the wing at the end That's when the game was, thinking, was basically yeah. over. Yeah. You went in and played 13, yeah. probably the most pivotal position defensively and offensively. And it's not only against like a second string team. It's like, oh, you're playing the world champions. Like, <laughs> yeah. do you know what I mean? So, you know, what was your mindset like? Or were you typical Jimmy O'Brien? Just, ah, sure, look, see what happens. I was kind of like that. I was trying to be <laughs> like that. Uh, I was just obviously like a bit scared or whatever, a bit nervous kind of. But um, when I came on at 13, like the way like Gary just went in 12 and the way they kind of didn't miss a beat, like no one actually like was like looking at me like, oh crap, Junior's at 13 or everyone was just like, oh, everyone seemed so calm with me moving in. So that made me calm. I was like, oh, okay, like they all obviously back me. Joe presents House of Rugby together with Bank of Ireland, proud supporter of the four Irish provinces. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of House of Rugby with cloud sponsors Bank of Ireland. Um, I'm going to start with the bad news. We've no Greg today. He's up the mountains with his beautiful O'Shea clan. So Greg, we hope you're having a ball and we can't wait to have you back. But the good news is I am joined by the wonderful, charming, charismatic monster man that is Jason Hennessy. Jason, how are you? I'm good, Lindsay. How are you? How was your Christmas? It was great. Once the, once the boy got all he wanted from Santa, then all of Christmas was good to go. So he got his Lego train and old school roller skates and Buzzy B. It's a like wasp remote control car. The child has endless and a dance mat, which I am looking forward to trying over the next couple of days with him. So uh, yeah, all good this. And how was yours? Good, 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 good. Uh, quiet Christmas back in the family house. Uh, I ended up cooking dinner for everyone, but uh, I made sure I had a glass of wine in my hand throughout the entire process. So I was kind of fun to be honest with you it was actually enjoyable good man yourself how did that go good 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 so I was I was a chef myself years ago so I always get caught doing the Christmas dinner so enjoy it Jesus that's happy. grand we're all, we're all, all, all the crew will be waiting for an invite down to Limerick yeah. Park <laughs> <laughs> all fed and found then yeah but no. and, I'm, and I'm caught doing it again today yeah. you now for for a 27 so they'll be last for yeah well, I tell you what, when the shoe fits, you cook away, my friend. Gordon <laughs> Ramsay has nothing on yet, say. That's it, that's it, that's it. Tell me. Well, we'll crack on here. Yep. Um, we're going to start with the first part, but in part two, we will have an interview with Jimmy O'Brien coming up on the show, and producer Pat, the the magic man that he is himself, was speaking with Bristol Tonga and former Ulster and All Black star Charles Piatel. But let's start off with the festive interprose. Uh, Jason, how are we feeling after last night's result? Do you know what? Truthfully. No, honestly, truthfully, like first of all, it was a cracker of a game. It was, it was a proper Stevens Day Interpro. You know, I mean, it, it's always been one of those games that everyone looks forward to on the fixture calendar because it's, it's a special, it's a special game because it's Stevens Day, it's twenty six thousand in Toma Park, it's Leinster. It's always going to be a good game, and it was like I think particularly the first half, very physical. Every you knew straight yeah. away what you were watching. It wasn't a normal game of rugby. It was like oh. Shit, everyone is up for this. Everyone is ready. And honestly, I was... I'm Obviously, I'm let down by the result. Like, you know, when you lose, you lose. But the only last by a point, I, I, I don't think Munster are that far off. They gave me so many signs last night that they haven't given me in recent weeks and in recent months. So you're kind of like, yeah, I like this whole experiment of Jack Crowley at 12. I know he wasn't great last week, but he's grown into that role. Um... To be honest with you, the only thing that let me down in the whole game really was probably that 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 last try from Leinster. So I mean, Scott Penny's try was magic. I, that was just beautiful from Sheehan and that. But mm. Sheehan's try, if you look at it again, kind of they're all standing up trying to attack the Leinster guys, and they just walked over them like schoolboys. Nobody got low, and they yeah. made it look so easy. And when you watch it back, you're like, they should have defended that better. And you know what? You're right because I was watching it. So that Scott Penny was magic. He got man the match now, which I thought he was quiet. To be honest, now he he worked tirelessly, twenty five tackles, but kind of he's normally you know so potent at the breakdown. But he did have a good game. He came up when he needed to. Uh, I thought he was going to be in the corner for that crossfield kick. I was like, okay, we we only saw glimpses of what Leinster could do. But the fact that actually Sheehan scored against John Ryan, and um, uh. Uh, killer, what's his name? Dave Kilcoyne. Kilcoyne. Yeah. The fact that two of the more physical, experienced men, and he got down low, I was probably disappointed for you. Considering he's absolutely made a shit of Lancer's breakdown, he's did so well. He's bullied us at the the scrum. The line out, I thought, was an absolute battle. It was toe for toe, and um, but really, it was men against boys at times. I kind of you saw Lancer's inexperience at that time. However, 
the young lads of Leinster, I think you, you get no better learning than to come through with a one point win. You probably didn't really deserve it, but they stuck with it. Um, you know, they didn't deviate exactly from what it is and they stuck with it. But um, considering you did so many good things like Tomlin Park, the noise of the crowd, were you there? No, I wasn't. I wasn't. I'm still freaking recovering from this chest infection, so I wasn't taking the chance of going in. So I watched it at home. Um, but uh, it looks I've a good few of my you friends. You just hear it though, couldn't you? Sorry, I could, you could, I could hear it. Yeah, a few of my mates were at the match, and they said like it was absolutely the atmosphere was incredible, and you can hear it coming through the television. You're like, that's the old Homer Park, and that's the way it should be. But I mean, yeah. as you said, look, I mean. Uh, it was men against boys at times, right? But you, you have to also factor in, like, and, and Pat mentioned this beforehand, like, we do have to factor in the fact that that's a Leinster team without Tyke Furlong, James Ryan, Josh Van Der Fleer, Kellen Dars, Jamson Gixon Park, Johnny Sexton, Bobby Henshaw. You know, Munster ain't going to get a better chance. And that's one side you will be worried because if you look at that Munster team, I know we've got a few guys out injured. But is there many more guys to come back in there? Like that's probably near enough to as strong as a team we can put out, and we still can't. We still can't beat Leinster. Missing all those players at home with twenty, probably out of that twenty six thousand was probably twenty thousand of them, maybe twenty one thousand of them Munster Munster fans. So that would worry you a small bit. You know, I mean, are, are we that far off? See, I don't. I, th- I don't think so. I know, I know Graham Roundtree was pretty annoyed after the game. Um, you know, obviously, I think it's now four from four you've lost in Thoman Park. You wanted that fortress. Leinster have won 10 out of 10 in the URC. They are a machine. And I think, you know, being an ex-player and you know yourself, winning is a habit. You know what I mean? And I thought, I watched the game now. I was, the referee... I'm not going to give out about the referee, but at times I thought, you know, it was a derby, but I thought, um, Chris, but we didn't at times let the game flow into the exhibition. It could have been like the only time we saw some good breaks. I thought Anton Frisch would stand out for you. Um, I really liked that 10, 12 axis with Joey Carberry. Mm, um, Crowley, and, yeah. um, say Jack again, Crowley. Jack Crowley. Yeah. Jack Crowley. Yeah. Yeah. And I thought Crowley and they, their game management and kicking cross field and putting, like Hugo Keenan, we don't always see knocking on the ball in that aerial battle, and he did. And Leinster were under pressure at times. Like they were, like Jamie Osborne, I thought was great. I thought that battle in in uh, the centre partnerships was toe for toe. Um, and yeah, I just thought you you're probably a little bit right. Munster still need depth to come on and finish games. I thought Craig Casey was one of the few that come on and kind of just again sped up that game and gave Leinster trouble and started to really turn the knife. Yeah. But just to finish the game is probably the only thing you're lacking right now. And I do appreciate the point that, yeah, Leinster were missing loads. They were missing loads, but they're still a well-oiled machine. Like Jamie Osborne's back at the, you know, offload. Just he had no right to A, offload it, and B, Luke McGrath had no right to catch it. And then we did a break. But then it epitomized exactly where Leinster probably let themselves down was. The lads were so slow to the breakdown. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And... Um, I think it was Calvin Nash who again I was really really how did you think he did I think he's a good player I think Shane Daly did well because I was only saying it before the game I know I said we weren't missing uh, too many players but um, to be missing to, uh, to be missing John Hannon I think it was a big one I, I, I think he's, he's playing well at the moment but to be missing Mike Haley I think was a huge one I think Mike Haley's probably been our best player this season I mean he's probably our best attacker He's he's just become so consistent so even though Shane Daly played so well, we did miss Mike Haley out there because I said he's been so good this year. Um, Frisch, again, I go back to what you said about Frisch. He's my new favourite player. I just Where did this guy come out of? Um, if you watch his story, I love his story. Like so, like when he was growing up, like he's, he's, he always wanted to come to Ireland. There's pictures of him as a kid with his two brothers wearing an Ireland jersey. He's very much not a Frenchman. He's very much an Irishman and a Frenchman all his life. And he said when he was watching the games when he was younger, you know, his his father would be cheering on France, but he'd be watching the Ireland. He'd be getting emotional watching Ireland going. And his dream was always to come over here. And he played for Ireland with the emerging nations over the, this, the, the period there recently. And I don't know, there's something about him. Do you know, I mean, it's funny. We, we spent all this money on Malachi Fekitoa and everyone forgot about Frisch. And he's like, Fekitoa can't get near the squad now. Never mind the starting lineup because this guy's so good. So it's it's fantastic. Like, it's a great signing because he, he reminds me of those old signings when... Munster used to sign centres. They signed guys like Trevor Halstead, Lemafemi Vapi, 
Rua Tapoki. Not going away and signing these big superstars, signing these guys who are used to the grind and have a, something to prove. And they're the kind of players that we need. Yeah. Players we should be recruiting going forward. Absolutely, because I think they embed um, themselves in the DNA of Munster rugby. Do you know what I mean? And that it doesn't that that DNA doesn't suit everybody. It doesn't run through everyone's blood that you sign because I think I'm not I'm not a I'm a obviously stone cold Leinster supporter. However, we have our DNA and our style of rugby. But I've many friends that I've played of you guys who are just uh, you know monster rugby oozes through them and that's what she's brought up on and uh, you can tell from every whether you're a supporter or players or even playing against them like you know Leinster and Munster would come up against each other and there's big big days in a Munster jersey no matter what team you play for um but Frisch is definitely one of my favorite I thought he's been big big sign and I actually this sounds really bad but I totally forgot about Fekatoa until I saw his Instagram post with his family on Christmas and I was like oh god yeah I about him yeah. so where do like did Monster bottle it? Where do you have to go to to now start to kick on the season, get your Champions Cup back on track, really yeah. make a challenge for the URC and go back in those Champions Cup places? Like what do you need a full squad available to you? I think what it's men- I think it's a mentality thing, Lindsay, to be honest with you. I think yes, they are missing a few guys, there's a few guys to come back in. I think they're in big trouble, to be honest with you, when John Ryan leaves at the end of January, as I, I just don't see yeah. a tight head that's gonna step up. He did there. well yesterday. He did well, but like you know, I don't. I, as I said before, I don't trust um, Stephen Archer in there. I don't think Salno is quite there yet. I don't think Knox is quite there yet. And Tighthead, as you know, as a prop, is such a pivotal position. I think we're lacking a hooker. Um, I think we've got good loose heads there, but I think the big thing for Munster at the moment seems to be that mentality. So like we can see the two tries with Leinster down to fourteen men, you know, and that's that comes yeah. down to mentality because as, as I said, going back to that second try. That was just it was, it was schoolboy stuff. They just kind of stood there while Leinster tapped and went quickly, and then I tried to tackle them around the shoulders, tried to hug them all over the line, and they just bulldozed yeah. through with ease. And like that just comes down to get low, get get ready. Like you're 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 at home, twenty six thousand fans behind you. You're playing Leinster. You don't you 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 should not let Troy's in that easy. You know you should not. It's 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 not acceptable. So that comes down to mentality because we've seen in glimpses this season that the talent is there. And there is good players in that squad. But sometimes they let themselves yeah. out where it's just a bit of mentality and focus. Like you've got to be switched on at all times. Do you know, I, I, I wouldn't see yeah. Leinster conceding a try like that. They, 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 just, they just wouldn't allow it. No, and that's probably the difference in how we got over the line is um, one, no matter what, like attacking-wise, it didn't really happen for Leinster because we really let our breakdown like be slowed down and let Munster make a shit of it. And that really impacted our attacking game. However, they didn't deviate from their defensive setup and they really just smothered, like we just stuck to the process, I suppose. Whereas I would agree, I think there was just lapses in con- um, concentration and it does happen. You know yourself, you're playing against, either you have a full complement and you kind of, you know, everyone just kind of switches off and the team who loses a man usually then steps up and kind of, you know, turns the knife. And I think that's just what happened in that 10-minute period. Leinster took advantage of just galvanising themselves mentally and everyone kind of took a step forward. Um, but look, I have to agree. I, I hope everyone enjoyed it. I certainly did. It was nail-biting. I didn't think we'd get over the line, but it was yeah. an absolute cracker. Hopefully we'll have another round when kind of come to Leinster. And uh, I think you guys are going to Ravenhill, are you? Yes, Raven up next for 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 the monster. So I say, look, uh, I mean, look, I know they're down eleventh at the moment, but they're only four points off fifth. Do you know, so I, I like I'm I'm not looking at top four this year for monster. I, I don't even think even if they got top four, it, it's probably the wrong season for them to be looking at that. I think now is just solidify, make sure you're in eighth position, and keep building. Like a lot of you, another thing we mentioned last night, you know, Patrick Campbell coming on last night. Scoring a great try. There's a good young player coming through. There's a lot of good young players coming through Munster, and there's it. You just they just need to make sure that they get that eight spot because we we bloody well need Champions Cup next year. Like, cause it'll be a sad day when when Munster aren't in the Heineken Cup. No, do you know what? Squeaky bum time and no better club to do it than Munster <laughs> rugby. And I did I did like Patrick Campbell's try against James Lowe, who bit in and uh, Campbell finished well and just that he just chucked the ball and was like back on track. So yeah, plenty of. Uh, bright sparks to look at Munster but um, I think we'll move on if we're happy enough to yeah move on and we another will big move on to another big intro uh, another one full of drama did you watch it Connacht 20 yes, 22 yes, and another yes. kind of 
It was, look, it was Talk. like, I mean, Ulster looked like they were coasting. They looked like they were doing, like, this was in the bag. But, like, Connacht with those two very, very late tries and, like, they very well could have snatched a draw. I mean, Jack, look, it wasn't the easiest a kick for Jack Harty. I wouldn't be blaming Jack Harty for that kick. It was on the wrong side. It was a pressure kick. Probably himself, he'll probably feel let down because at the end of the day, he's a professional, you know, and he would have thought, I probably should have got that. But it wasn't the easiest of kicks. But, it, it, uh, look, Connacht, I think, obviously, they'll be disappointed that they lost. Of course they will. But the way in which they finished that game, like, they can hold their heads high, like, to score those two late tries. And they looked like they were dead and buried long before that. So. Yeah, but what do Connacht, like, so I'm, I'm watching the game and I'm like, right, we've, Ulster, I think to myself, you know, 60 minutes in, right, Ulster are cruising, Ulster are back to their best. They've had a couple of weeks of drama, inconsistent, non-performances, I just don't know where they've been on holidays. They haven't been the Ulster team that we've seen over the last kind of 18 months. Yeah. And I'm like, all right, sound, they're back on track. And next of all, they just capitulate, like, for Stuart Little's try, it was like soft shoulder, offload. It was like champagne rugby. Gets in, you know, little kick. Like, again, back to oozing confidence. Tom Stewart is scoring a sixth and seventh try. Uh, Rob Little, sorry, not Stuart Little. Um, that's a cartoon character. Um, but Rob Little scored in the corner. Tom Stewart then is um, scoring sixth and seventh try. Um, and... You know, as I said, they looked to be cruising. And then, you know, we're talking about Munster and their mental resolve. And next of all, yeah, they kind of implode. Now, as I said, like, it's hard to not have it, you know, when you're losing that, you know, what it was at 20 points to eight. Um, and even when they got a try back with uh, Caelan Blade, who made a break, John Cooney then scores. And you think, oh, right, they're gone again. And then they just come up and, you know, Adam Byrne gets in a good sign and in the corner and, yeah, I just think it's two teams who are inconsistent right now and need to find a bit of form and consistency. And yeah, I just don't know what each team have to do. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think Ulster will be delighted anyway after like after that horrific loss to Sale and then the kind of drama over the La Rochelle game just to get a W back on the board because Ulster, as you said, their season looked to be going really well and it just kind of went off. And that happens Ulster a lot. You know, I remember we had that chat with Darren Cave last year and it seems to happen to them a lot where they kind of fire for most of the season and then when it matters then you're like, Jesus Christ, we should have been winning this game, you know? So I think they'll be at least yeah. be happy, but with Connacht, yeah, Connacht will be disappointed, as I said, they're at home. Um, no one wants to lose a game at home, no matter what it is. And they're kind of, it's no. much and much the same with Connacht this year. And, you know, they, they look good in parts, they play some good rugby, we're all saying, oh, it's great that they came back, but they still lost, unfortunately, and that's just that consistency that Connacht are missing and, Look, they're going to have a new coach coming in next year with Andy Friend leaving. Um, maybe that'll be a good thing for him. And that's not anything against Andy Friend because he's a brilliant coach and he's done a lot for Connacht. But maybe his style of rugby doesn't quite suit because they do play entertaining rugby. But at the end of the day, you're judged on your results. And if you look back over his period with Connacht, they haven't done quite well. I mean, I know they got to their first ever... Um, knockout stages of the Champions Cup last season but they did it with one win that's just the way that stupid format is at the moment so I mean you can't yeah. I wouldn't take much from that so maybe it is like I mean people forget it's not that long ago when Pat Lamb was there Connacht were winning the Pro 14 or the Pro 12 what it was at the time which is now the URC yeah. so maybe it is time for Connacht for change and maybe that's what I know Andy Friend is moving back for family reasons but I don't know they have a good they have a very very good squad there that's, that's what we have to remember very very good squad on paper very good squad and I think at the moment for me they're kind of like always the bridesmaid never the bride do you know what I mean they're always there thereabouts you know um, and maybe the announcement of Andy Friend has kind of let that and they just need to get over the season but they're down at 12th now um, so is it a case where they just concentrate now on Champions Cup and try to or not Champions Cup Challenge, Challenge Cup and yep. trying to try to get something out of that and get some silverware that way or, or how are they going to balance it I don't know I don't know what I said like you know I said like they're down like we're giving out how bad Munster are this season and how poor they are and like they're down where Munster are like and no one like everyone seems to think Connacht are doing grand which is that's that's not good that's they need to get out of that mentality like Connacht should be pushing on because as I said they're they're not the Connacht of old Connacht of a brilliant squad on paper they've got some fantastic players it's littered with internationals that is a squad that's capable of more that's a squad that's capable of pushing up into that top eight and even even pushing into that top four like they're without a doubt they're capable so it will be interesting to see yeah. who they bring in I'm not sure who's out there at the moment. I'm not even, I haven't even heard much talk about who, who's been linked with the role. 
but it'll be very interesting to see who they bring in there and because it's a good job it's a big job whoever takes it well it's a great job but the other thing is i think the world of rugby right now like every you know we've all the south african teams in the urc they're now and obviously um champions cup and challenge cup and you know, rugby seems so, there's so many clubs out there looking to kind of thrive and, you know, reinvent themselves and kind of win, you know, so the competition even for clubs and coaches and is it that big a club to draw someone with a big name? Is that what they need to get big players? Or is it a case of they stick to their tried and tested Pat Lamb, Andy Friend, who are great guys who just come in and kind of work their magic with a squad who's probably littered with great players but need that just consistency and belief and, and be able to challenge for I suppose compared to a lot of clubs around is a sm- is, you know they're on a much smaller mm. level it's a tough one I mean like there isn't that many Eddie Jones is looking for a job at the moment <laughs> you get Eddie down there you imagine that? Oh yeah, I don't. I don't think that kind of like. I. I don't think one of those big flashy names. Well, look, there isn't too many big flashy names in in rugby. Like it's not kind of like we're we're on into the soccer manager territory yet. There there isn't too many. Eddie Jones is one of the few big personalities in rugby that are that are there. And you know, look, I mean, they did it like someone like Pat Lamb. Like you know, people kind of his career was a bit kind of stagnant before he came to Connacht. And now he's after reinventing himself again into one of the best coaches in the world. Andy Friend, they kind of they, he was a sevens coach who wasn't really a big name in rugby union. So I think I, I trust Connacht. Like I mean, they've, they've, there's some good people there to to do the research and attract the right man that will suit their rugby. But as I said, maybe it's time to move away from someone who just plays entertaining rugby and get someone in who wins rugby matches instead. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think a big test for them now will be uh, coming down to the RTS to play Leinster over the festive season. And uh, one man that we spoke to recently was Mr. Jimmy O'Brien, who should feature in that game. And uh, now we're going to go into our second part of our interview with Jimmy O'Brien. Um, so enjoy. And then with you then, you're kind of basically in the Irish squad now, which is another Six Nations squad to be picked. Hopefully you'll be in it. We presume you will be. But before we even talk about that six, upcoming Six Nations, you played in the Autumn Nations series. And it was kind of a bit of a whirlwind for you because you're initially kind of in the A squad kind of yeah. buzz. And then you got the last minute call up. You yeah. ended up playing 13 against the best team in the world, the world champions. Yeah. And you had a stormer of a game. What was that like for you? Yeah, it was pretty ma- mental. Like, yeah. Because um, I obviously got picked the A team at the start of the week. And... I kind of didn't, I was kind of disappointed. Like I kind of like wanted to get my chance, or I like, mm. thought I had a chance. Um, so then I was kind of a bit down. But then I was like, I oh, just come like play well, whatever for the A's. And then I kind of heard, I heard Robbie kind of like tweet his hamstring, but like you don't know who's going to be the next person up. You have mm. a clue, like and uh, yeah, it didn't tell me. I just went into everyone went in the A's and the first team went into Shelburne then um, to get prepared for the games. You go in and what a pretty match meal and the captain's run and. I was walking down the hallway just to go into the A meeting, there was a team meeting, and Faz just caught me in the hallway and was like, oh, have you heard? And I was like, no, not really, like maybe half. And he What's was like, on the dinner? What's on the <laughs> menu? Yeah. He was like, God, you're on the bench, like you don't need to go to the A meeting. I was like, oh, great. <laughs> yeah. It was that last minute. <laughs> yeah, oh but I think God. some lads are kind of like, so like Hugo nearly ruined it because they got on to, so he, they had like made the decision way earlier in the day, but no one had like rang me. <laughs> And oh they got on to Hugo to get on to Will to get on to my parents to come up because they do kind of like a jersey presentation the night before yeah. or two days before. And uh, so, and Will texted me being like, oh, you're on the bench. And I was like, well, I haven't heard anything. Like, what have you heard? And then oh he just no. didn't reply to me. And I was like, well, like, oh no. I was like, what have you heard? Like, you obviously have heard something and he just wouldn't text you back. Like, and he didn't come back to the house then either. So I didn't see him. So I was kind of like, I had a half inclination. I was like, all right, maybe there's something, but like, I'm not taking it yeah. until I hear like and then yeah he just told me then and then my parents were actually mm-hmm. downstairs I like went off rang my parents told them I was on the bench and they were like acting all surprised and they were actually downstairs in the shower and like having a drink oh, getting ready to like come up and like surprise me them two and Zoe my, my girlfriend yeah. were downstairs like so yeah I was I was so surprised when they walked in like I had I didn't even know that was a thing or anything because yeah. my first time and they just like opened, walked in the door and like all the lads were there and all the staff and stuff and I was like what's going on here like, and did that did that change then was was that the moment it kicked in we're like okay shit I'm on the bench here like this is big did it make you emotional or uh, a little bit see my parents made me a little bit emotional yeah, yeah I was kind of like jeez this is, this is actually probably a big thing like and everything and uh, 
yeah, it got me a little bit emotional there, that. And then after that, kind of the next day, I didn't really think very much. To be honest, I didn't think I'd be getting brought on. Yeah. Um, I was like, oh, last so minute. So soon. Yeah, I was like, you get brought up like that last minute. You're not really expecting. You're like, oh, they'll probably bring on someone else instead of you or whatever. Even when she went down on the bench, I remember sitting there. I think Jack Cohen would have been like, oh, Jimmy, get up. And I was like, they're not going to bring me on. I was like, Joey, I said to Joey, I was like, Joey, they're definitely going to bring you on here. Like, yeah. And then someone shouted at me. I was like, oh, crap. Like, yeah, are actually bringing me on. Because <laughs> you got 53 minutes. Am yeah, I right with that? Yeah, yeah. Something like that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I didn't think they'd bring me on that early, but obviously they did. Uh, thankfully, yeah. So. <laughs> Brilliant. Now, we gave you that the standout moment of the pod that week. It was just, we did. We just Never thought you were unbelievable. Moment, yeah. We're, yeah. we're fanboying of you. But it's like, it's not as if, like, as you're saying there, Jimmy, you, came, you got a late call up onto the bench. Mike got 10 minutes on the wing at the end That's and the game was basically yeah. over. Yeah. You went in and played 13, yeah. probably the most pivotal position defensively and offensively. And it's not only against like a second string team. It's like, oh, you're playing the world champions. Like, <laughs> yeah. Do you know what I mean? So, you know, what was your mindset like? Or were you typical Jimmy O'Brien? Just, ah, sure, look, see what happens. I was kind of like that. I was trying to be <laughs> like that. Uh, I was just obviously like a bit scared or whatever, a bit nervous kind of. But um, when I came on at 13, like the way like Gary just went in 12 and the way they kind of didn't miss a beat, like no one actually like was like looking at me like, oh crap, Jimmy's at 13 or everyone was just like, oh, everyone seemed so calm with me moving in. So that made me calm. I was like, oh, okay. Like they all obviously backed me or whatever. Like everyone was like, yeah, like it was kind of normal. Um, it didn't really change anything. So that gave me a lot of confidence when I went on. And then like just after, once I got into it, it just kind of felt like another game. Um, yeah, so once I kind of, first couple of moments, I think I had to carry the first thing Johnny hit me on a carry and then after that like it was kind of get into the game yeah normal after that do you need as a player do you need because I know I would have like give me a good carry just to get me in the game and you can kind of switch in um, not particularly I wouldn't say a good carry because I wouldn't be carrying too well yeah, myself <laughs> something for I'm you a good exit get, kick, get me a neutral carry get me over <laughs> get me to the game line I'd be happy uh no, not really. I'd be kind of in it, but off the bench, yeah, I'd find if I've come off the bench, I'd want to do something early, just trying to get into it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's so. starting not too, not too much. But yeah, off the bench, I'd say yeah. Nice, incredible man. And then you kept playing on in the Autumn Nation series. You played a full back. Me and Lindsay went to see you play against Australia. You, you played did. on the wing. Yeah. Incredible couple of days, a couple yeah. of weeks for you. Yeah, wasn't expecting that going into the, the camp at all. Like I was just praying I'd get like one kind of opportunity, just to kind of get my first cap or whatever and mm. kind of show that I could play at a level like and then to play the three three games like it was yeah dreams yeah what yeah. was your first cap song because I know that's tradition uh, Ain't No Mountain High Enough oh I, uh, nice yeah that's a thing you're going to give us a bar no, not, a <laughs> not, not a very good singer I don't okay. think anyone would want to hear me sing we'd that. be the judge right. of that <laughs> yeah. it's key to pick a song that everyone knows really yeah. so oh they you join need in. that yeah. Yeah. what's yours Lindsay what was mine? Oh, mine was probably something ridiculous. Take her up to Mantua or something, I think, or something, <laughs> the Dubliner, something Dubliner uh, with a, like a busload of country people who probably yeah. just wouldn't Don't join in for the sake of it. Yeah, so that'd be me, yeah. Yeah, yeah. lads try not to join in though, like, as in like you hear lads being like, shh, shh, like if I'm singing, like when some half people start trying and lads are like, no, stop, like they want you to like, Burn up there, basically. Yeah. 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 Oh, nice Do at least mate. a verse yeah. with, with no help, like, yeah, 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 yeah. brilliant. Give so us yours. Mine, I have a few. In case, because the worst oh, thing ever is when you're sitting on the bus and then you 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 know one of mine. The punk rocker. Yeah, yeah punk yeah, rocker. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Joe punk punk rocker. No, yeah. you do know you just want me to sing it. <laughs> no, I don't tell you me. Do. Well. You know, like, oh, I wish I was a punk rocker with flowers in my hair. Come See, on, everybody. Come it. on, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> but if that's been taken, then I do Robbie Williams. Um, what is it? Uh, sit and wave. Does it name? Do you know that one? Yeah, yeah. What's that one called? Angels. 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 Yeah, yeah. There we go. I'm having um, so, angels. Exactly. Yeah. Because everyone Man knows. Not a many challenge. Yeah. yeah. Um, I didn't have to sing too many though. Thank <laughs> God. Um, but uh, Jimmy, coming into the Six Nations now and the World Cup next year, what's the plan? Obviously, you want to be in this in the squads. Yeah. yeah. Hopefully, yeah. Um, not trying to think too far ahead. Like just kind of play all the games for Leinster. Hopefully, in the Six Nations and again, hopefully, play a couple of games there and then like. If I got to work like a year ago, I didn't think I had any chance of kind of getting to the World Cup or whatever and never thought I'd be in the kind of position I am where I'm kind of like on the fringes and could get in. So like I'd be delighted mm -hmm. if I, yeah, if I got into that, yeah, I'd be. Uh, do you kind of have one eye on the Six Nations and World Cup or is it very much so, all right, we have Munster on Stevens Day? Or what, uh, what's the kind yeah, of buzz? very much so like kind of the next game. Yeah. yeah. Um, oh, definitely Monster on Stevens Day. Yeah. You keep focused on that boy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. But you've really like shown, man, that you can play at the top level now and you played a 13, 15 and winger at the top level against top teams as well. So it would like it would be expected because you're so versatile as well to be in those squads. Like and just imagine playing in the World Cup in France. Like I presume all the O'Briens will be going yeah. over. Jimmy yeah, O'Brien's course and win and try World Cup. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> 
Uh, yeah, that's what I'm hoping the versatility works for me. But mm. like, who knows? Like, uh, just trying to play. Once you just play well, stay injury free, and just try and play well for Leinster, yeah. get into Six Nations squad hopefully, and then just keep trying to play well. Like that's the main thing, and then see what happens. Like, but yeah, it'd be yeah unbelievable. Like, it would coverage, be unbelievable. Yeah. yeah, to be part of the number one team in the world, going to a World Cup, like targets yeah. on your backs, and the fact you're so versatile. I don't know if you'd agree with me, Lindsay. I presume you would. Because he's so versatile, he's one of the first names in the team sheet. You were, you would be certainly for me, and I'm not just blowing smoke up your backside, right? Because I suppose, like, if you look at the wings, right? We've we said about Ireland's rich vein of talent at the minute, and like, yeah, like players, obviously yeah. Keith Earls has been back there now. Yeah. Robert Balakoon, uh, Mac Hansen, you, uh, you James Lowe, Lowe James yeah. Lowe, who's back and absolutely motoring. He like again, no drop off from his injury. Yeah. So you're kind of looking at the wings going, right, I'd hate to be in there. Yeah. And then we <laughs> went from Rob Carney thinking, God, who's going to kind of, it's Johnny Sexton, who's going to replace him? Hugo comes in. Then you're like, God, he's now so integral to everything we do well. And then you're there now able to step into him. Do you know what I mean? And then centres as well. We've had injuries, suspensions. So I think for Ireland to have someone of your talent and so versatile, it's key to us, especially when you're limited on numbers going to a World Cup. You know, to have you there to yeah. be able to fit into any of those roles then takes pressure off, I think. Yeah, hopefully. <laughs> hopefully they think the same, the coaches. But, yeah, that's kind of... said that to Leo, like, jokingly before. Like, basically, like, yeah, if you want to go, like, a 7-1 split on the bench, like, on, I'll, I'll, yeah. Yeah, I'll come wherever. <laughs> like, said to him jokingly and stuff, and he's like, oh, yeah, maybe. <laughs> no, and I think but, that's uh, good. We saw it in the, the Women's World Cup. Yeah. Uh, one of the girls, Claudia McDonald, who had actually stand out, um, actually World Cup, ended up on the bench because of that yeah. versatility issue and what the split they wanted to go for their forwards yeah. and backs. Yeah. And that's where I could see you filling that for us. Not off oh. the bench necessarily, but... I'd take anywhere, to be honest. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, but the thing, the, 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 the obvious question would be, because you're so versatile and you can play anywhere from 9 to 15, if you put on a few more pounds, you'll probably go into the back row as well. No, no, no. <laughs> but do, right but do you think, like. do you think that because you're so versatile, it's an easy way to just put you on the bench? Um, I know it's a tough question. Yeah, no, I... It probably can be, yeah. Um, but you've started then in the Automation Series, yeah, so it's so a I weird one. Yeah, like. I don't know. Um, it probably can be for a coach. They're like, oh, in between, oh, we, Jimmy go on the bench because I like, can come on if someone else gets injured or whatever. Um, but it, it hasn't happened. Thank well, I haven't been on. I used to like joke with my mates that I'd be, t like, my position is 23. <laughs> um, <laughs> and like all my friends are like, yeah, we got aim for 23. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, thankfully, I've been starting like a good bit um, now. And just when I start, then I usually just end up covering. So whoever's on the bench, I'd usually just cover. Mm. Just move Jimmy around. Yeah, like yeah, yeah. You're like a chess just, piece. Just yeah. move him there. Yeah. Him there. yeah. Honestly, they just do it at the end of games. Like I remember in Leinster, they did to me one or two games where just like, like for the last 10 minutes when we're like 30, 40 points up, like they just take off the 10 and I just go in 10 and I wouldn't have ran a 10 like all week. <laughs> and they're just like, yeah, it'll be fine. And I'm just like, yeah, perfect. And I just call like a mall pretty much every time. <laughs> <laughs> what do you want off this line? Yeah. A mall. A mall. A mall. Yeah, yeah. Just give just us a few so minutes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But I think what is the point of difference for you as well is your left boot. It's very rare to have someone to clear the lines yeah. like that. Obviously, James Lowe can do it as well, but you were doing it during the Autumn Nation series, yeah. so that's an element of your game. Have, have you worked on it? Yeah, because I probably got moved out of 10 when I was younger because I wasn't that good at kicking. <laughs> so oh, really? I, yeah, so I was like a 10, basically, in Newbridge, we just, like, you never took three. You never, like, cleared your lines. We literally had this philosophy of just running it from everywhere when oh, I played yeah. underage. Uh, so when I went into, like, Leinster underage teams, I'd run it from everywhere, and they used to be like, oh, you have to, like, play or whatever, but... We kind of got away with it, I'd say, because we had such a good team. Mm. So I didn't never really had to. So when I kind of came into them years where, like, the games got tighter and stuff like that, I wasn't as comfortable kind of in 10 and, like, mm. picking off corners and stuff like that because I never really practiced it coming up. Like, yeah. uh, I was kind of on good teams that, like, just played it from everywhere and we used to get away with it. Um, so that's probably why I actually moved out of playing 10 uh, because my kicking game wasn't that good. Wow. Yeah, so then, but then when I started playing for Leinster, I, like, um, the coaches have been like, oh, we need to, like, you have to get better at that, like, with your left foot, like, mm -hmm. it's a good asset to have, because obviously if you have a right foot at 10 and the left foot are, like, to help, it just takes the pressure off the 10. Absolutely. Uh, so, yeah, I've worked uh, a good bit um, with the coaches, with Bumper in Leinster and then with Caddy in Ireland, like, a good bit on working on that and trying to get more distance, because obviously, Lowy can hit it a bit <laughs> further than me, it's a bit bigger. Uh, but uh, just trying to be more accurate and stuff like that and just use it, yeah, because it helps, like, the 10s, like, love having a second lad who can kick, because it just takes the pressure off them a good yeah. bit, yeah. Oh, it's huge, man. 100%. It's a great asset to have. I think Pat has a question for you. I have a fan question over here. Yeah. Um, just after the games, I was wondering, because you played the three games in, in November, especially even after the debut, did you do any jersey swaps at the end, but any of the, the spring box? Uh, yeah, so thankfully, uh, Keen Heady gave me his jersey to swap. 
uh, with Willie Larue. So he was 23 for South Africa. So I, didn't, I got my got to keep my two first cap jerseys. Oh, nice. Yeah, so that was good. Yeah, and then um, against Fiji, I didn't. I actually started getting a. I do you know my migraines trying yeah. to get migraines. Yeah, so I, that's why I came off uh, the last like, three months. I was trying to get a migraine, like I get a bird vision or whatever, oh. and I started to get that. So I literally left straight away. I came off, came off, and got in a taxi and went back to bed. Oh. And then against Australia, I swapped with the winger. I was marking the mark. I can't remember second name. Some like. Oh. Eugene kind of second name he's you? unbelievable oh, yeah. can you do it again this week now with a sangy or something yeah, 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 yeah. the 14 he's another yeah, man yeah, mountain yeah. I was like remember yeah. we were watching yeah. him from the sidelines we were like oh my god if he goes in front of the footlights he's, he's yeah, huge, like, yeah and he's like. unbelievable in the air so he was yeah. uh, unbelievable in the air he was jumping and stuff like yeah um, so yeah I swapped at him so I have Willie Roo and his jerseys yeah so it's pretty cool getting them <laughs> What about yourself? Are you are you hoping to be involved? Like you're kind of uh, you, you played the Perpignan game, didn't you? But are you yeah. out? Yeah, I, I injured my hamstring uh, in the Perpignan game, so out for a few weeks now. So got it. I won't be involved um, in the game, but be cheering the boys on. Yeah, yeah. Um, the kind of how have you kind of even found like the the Challenge Cup has been a good way for kind of everyone kind of even just getting the the confidence back and form back a little bit. Um, has, has it been? I guess the mood being better now the last couple of weeks, the last couple of wins as well. Yeah, for sure. I think you know we've um, you know spoke about you know different competition, kind of uh, a, a opportunity for us to you know start well. And I think so far it's you know it's been heading in the right direction. And I think now um, coming off the back of those two games is being able to take that momentum into um, into this game against Harlequins. But um, you know it's a, a tough challenge ahead. It's always um, you know, tough playing Quins at, at the stoop with their crowd, but um, hopefully the guys will go well. And, and it's been kind of an interesting season, like for you guys, it's like started off on fire, like, you know, I think it was the four wins in a row, top of the league, and then uh, and then a dip, and it's like hard to kind of turn it around as well. And then hopefully things are now kind of, you're coming out the other side, like, but, uh, you know, what, what has it been kind of like, you know, as, as, a, as a kind of a season for you guys? How have you found it so far? Yeah, I think, like you said, it's um, started off well, and then, I think we've been in a tough patch at the moment, but I think having the the Challenge Cup come, I think it's been a, a good time for us. And, you know, just heading into almost the, the second half of the season, I think there's still time for us to turn it around and, um, you know, starts Tuesday against Harlequins. So uh, a, a big challenge ahead, but I think, you know, um, for us as a club, is just trying to focus now on, on getting those wins and, and weekly and, and letting that momentum build. And, and then, you know, hopefully... Um, where we are at the table, um, you know, still within reach of, you know, mid-table and stuff like that. So um, a few wins under our belt, I think, could, um, you know, change what what that looks like. It, it is a kind of mad league, isn't it? Like that you could, yeah, you could find in the space of two or three games, you're you're right back in the mix. It, it, it's kind of like you kind of have to tell yourself that, don't you? Exactly. Um, it's, and, you know, that's, I guess, it's part of the, the beauty of the Prem and how, tough the competition is and um, you know the, the league is always still close especially on that, that mid part and uh, I think we need to start kind of building momentum now and, and not leave it too late but I think there's still uh, definitely a chance of of improving and, and trying to um, hopefully reach that top four. Um, I kind of just wanted to kind of maybe just go back and just even just to have a more of a kind of chat about your own rugby career and, and how it's all gone to date which is always kind of seems a bit daunting when you when you kind of think about it like that but um, you're you're from Auckland originally, aren't you? Where whereabouts in Auckland are you from? Uh, Mangry's um my home for me, so South Auckland. Um, so yeah, that's kind of always born and bred there. School rugby there, come through all the um age grade stuff, and represented uh Auckland and and the Blues. Um, and then yeah, before heading heading across here to the Northern Hemisphere. The I I did I was lucky enough to live in Auckland for a year. Um, I think I went over. This was after the last Lions tour, like, but um, a very <laughs> like I I'm from Ireland originally, and we thought we were laid back. But yeah. people in New Zealand are yeah. they could teach you a lesson about being laid back. It's it's a it's a nice way of <laughs> life, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. Uh, I think living up in, in in Northern Ireland, like you know, just like the landscape and just how friendly people were. I think there's definitely a lot of similarities, so that helped like the transition, but. Yeah, like you said, like, you know, the I think in, in New Zealand, like, um, everyone's pretty chilled and easygoing and um, just kind of the way life life is lived, I, th- I guess, there. 
I remember um, in 2011, I was lucky enough to be there, like when the All Blacks won the World Cup. And um, I always remember like everybody celebrated on the Sunday and then there was a Monday morning headline and it, they were worrying about the 2015 World Cup. I would say <laughs> just, to me, it just goes to show you how crazy everybody in New Zealand is about rugby. Like it's what what's that kind of mindset like? You know, it's like almost like the number one topic of conversation, isn't it? Yeah, I think like coming over uh, like this side of the world, like, you know, I just tell people it's like football to countries here and the way that, you know, it's almost like a religion or like, you know, people just love it so much. And and like you said, like expectations on the team has always been so high. And um, but, you know, that's just 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 the way things are. And then, you know, they get behind the team, they support it and, and everyone just enjoys uh, the game. And then, like for yourself, like who, like let's say, would there be any guys that we know, and maybe you were coming up through uh, schools or underage, that would still be kind of playing around now? That would have been your friends. Yeah, so I, I think um, my kind of age group is probably like Bowden Barrett and Brody Retellick. So now they like I think they're like the more senior guys in the team now. So it shows my age, but that's kind of um, yeah my my age group then. And. Um, like for you, like when you were growing up as well, like was there any ever any kind of sport other sports or like was it just were you like hell bent on rugby was going to be and like when did you even kind of think that it might be an actual career for yourself then as well? Yeah, I think like growing up, like I always would like kind of try every sport and try and play every sport. But as as you get older, like um, for me, rugby was kind of really the only um, sport I thought you know could really um, pursue and, and make it a career. But uh, I think the realization was when I was probably 17 and had kind of interest in the schoolboys, uh, New Zealand schoolboys. And then I thought, um, you know, maybe if I can make that team, then, you know, try and pursue a uh, um, ITM contract and, and push on from there. So that was kind of the, um, the realize or the point where I thought you know, I could really pursue this as a career. Uh, and then you were kind of in with the Blues. Like, that was the, the team I would have went and supported, I suppose, when I lived over there. And um, I think that Luke McAllister was in the team back when I was kind of following them and, and stuff like that. But, um, yeah, I suppose, like, it, it's the kind of realisation of a dream. Is it to kind of then all of a sudden start lining out with these guys that you might have been watching on TV? And, you know, what, what does that mean to you as a kind of young guy to all of a sudden, you know, just be thrown in with these guys that you've followed for so many years? Yeah, exactly. Like, in store still would have to pinch myself like the first few training sessions like being around guys that I've only really like supported and followed on um on, on tv and then to be you know a teammate catching a ball or running alongside them and training like um you know have moments where you think like is this is this real or not but it's just an awesome feeling to um you know to be able to learn off them and 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 be a teammate with them uh, at the at a young age and just soak up as much as you can <clears throat> And then I was looking back there, like at your records, even with the All Blacks and and like the like I've sometimes actually seen. I remember even over Zoom, they were showing you know footage of like family members when they were getting the news that their you know son was playing for the All Blacks, and it's like such an a, emotional moment. Can you remember that first time when your like your debut was coming around and letting the family know that you were going to play? Yeah, for sure. I think I was. Um, we played a game with the Blues down in Dunedin against the Highlanders, and um, and lucky enough, I think my my parents and and my, one of my brothers was was had come to watch the game, so we got told um, in front of the team. It was a few of us. Uh, I think Francis and Sally and Stephen Lutour was was named uh, that campaign as well. And so it was nice to um, to be told in front of your teammates um, and by the coach because uh, I guess you kind of form a Super Rugby helps get you into the team, and a lot of those other guys in the shed um, plays a huge part in the team going well and your own individual success as well. Um, but yeah, like this one of the best feelings just to let your family know, let my parents know and just see the joy. I think there's a few tears um, that uh, came down from my parents, but uh, just they're very proud and and um, and happy. And, and then I was looking at even like your record. I think you like I, I actually almost had to double check it. 17 games, 17 wins for the All Blacks. Like so you played and never yeah. lost a game for them. Like it's in, insane, isn't it? Like you're a, a lucky charm for them in a way. Yeah, for sure. No, it was um, you know, quite a, a special feeling. And I think it just goes to show that at that time and during those years, um, just how good the team was. And um, uh, very, um, it's quite a cool thing to think of um, at the time, uh, looking back at it. And what, like, I suppose, what would it have been like to kind of, uh, 
you know, like even to play in a team like with the likes of someone like, you know, like actually like modern day legends, like, you know, Richie McCaw, Dan Carter, like what was it like to kind of train with them and play with them and like kind of like in, in those kind of week to week basis? Yeah, I think it's the same thing, like kind of at Super Rugby level, like it's, it's just so real, like now we're talking about like legends of, like you say, legends of the game, like you at that point of what they achieved in the career and um, it was amazing. And like, you know, it's, like you said, it's always just, you see them on TV or you, you support and watch them and then to be in the same room as them and um, really just trying to be a sponge and, and learn as much as you can um, from them. And then, um, yeah, it's just a surreal feeling. Like always think it's like not real or like pinch yourself and being like, you're, you're living a dream. And I uh, look back at those times now and, and see um, how grateful and lucky I was to be around those uh, those legends of the game. And then, like the decision, like I know, like even for the likes of, let's say, Bundyaki's over here in in Connacht, and and like he's often spoke about, like the, like you know that tough decision you're going to have to make to to leave your home and and kind of even support your family in a way, and kind of, um, you know, kind of, again, the financial you know benefits are so much better over here in Europe as well. Like so, it is a tough decision, but like you you probably faced something similar when when you had the chance to go to Wasps. Like, did you have like? Can you remember? conversations you had with like friends or players or family at the time when you decided to make the move up to the northern hemisphere yeah uh, i think for me it was uh, definitely one of the the toughest um, rugby decisions that i had to make in my career and um for me it was just kind of speaking to to family and friends and about it and i think at the end of the day um you know it was kind of what what did you want to do and achieve um from from the game and you know I think at that time I was lucky enough to play a few tests for the All Blacks and I think um, yeah I just thought to myself you know as I had a, a great opportunity to support my family um, try something new um, and you know ended up making the decision to to come overseas and um, now haven't looked back once and and being grateful for um, the experiences what I've experienced so far and the teams that I've been a part of uh, since then. And then, yeah, you had that season with Wasps and then the, I suppose like even there still to this day, like you're talking to people up in Ulster, still fondly remembered like by a lot of the lads and kind of, um, you know, still very much missed by a lot of people up there as well. Like what what, what do you kind of remember your, or is there any kind of standout experience you had from, from your time at Ulster? Yeah, I think for me, like, like the fans there were amazing, like the home games, the environment there, the chance, like, you know, for, for that city, um, like just to see the people come together and cheer them on, like it was a special um, uh, experience. Because I think like back in New Zealand, like Super Rugby, like we used to play in Eden Park and although we'll get like maybe 10, 15, 20,000, you know, it was a big stadium, so it didn't really like feel filled out. But like, you know, at, at Ulster, playing those home games and, you know, that weather was like, you know, you get used to the weather there, but like you train in every day, but then teams come over and play and they're not used to it, like... It was, um, no, I had a great time in, in Belfast and, and with the club, like, it was a great club, look after um, me and I uh, thoroughly enjoyed my time there. And, and is there any guys, because I'm trying to even think of the likes of someone like Jacob Stockdale, you would have kind of crossed paths with him, but like any guys that you would have, that are kind of established internationals now that you would have seen as young lads and went, keep an eye out for this lad? Yeah, like definitely, I think Jacob at the time had kind of just kind of maybe finished school and was maybe a, fresh into like a year in the academy or whatnot, but he already started breaking out and having, you know, had a great season and made the, the Ireland team that year. Um, I remember, um, was it James Hume at the time? Yes. Like he was still, like, it wasn't, he was still around the academy that time, but like to see his development uh, and Mike Lowry as well, um, you know, it was always like training with us when, when he was in the academy that time and like to see like those, those guys really kick on, like, um, Traders, um, Treadwell, when he, you know, he kind of made Ireland when I was there too, but like he's, he's, he's moved, moved on and, and developed and even like some of the older ones like Rob Herring and, and Stu McCloskey, like it's, it's great to see them uh, still in good form and getting more caps. So Yeah, yeah, great stuff. And, and the, I suppose then the decision like to, to go to Bristol then as well, like was it, can you remember kind of even the conversations back then? Was, was it Pat Lamb himself? Was he the driving force or was there anybody else at the time trying to tempt you over to, to Bristol? Yeah, I think like well, Pat was the first person I spoke with, and um, you know, obviously pitched um, his vision for the club. Um, but at the same time, my my brother was here as well at the club, and a, a lot of familiar faces like Stephen Lotour, who mm. I kind of growing up with. So, um, 
you know, it was it was a tough decision to make um, coming over because at that time I, I really, really was enjoying my time at Ulster. And I think if I look back, if I, I think if it wasn't any other club but Bristol, I think maybe I would have stayed um, in in Belfast. But now I was um, um, grateful for the opportunity, and I think now I've been here five seasons now, so longest that I've been at one club. So it's um, it's been great. Yeah, and, and it's like. Th- have you got like as you said like five seasons like a, a real kind of affinity with the kind of the the people in the area now and kind of how much rugby means to them as well? Yeah, for sure. Like I think the the year before I came, like the club it was in the championships so they come up and then just to see like to be fair, the first time I kind of was in and around Bristol, there's a lot of people wearing Bath jerseys. So like for that was was a bit weird, but I can I can say now a lot of people there's a lot more Bristol Bears jerseys now. Like you know the that the turnouts that we have, like the support is, speaks for itself and, you know, how many um, memberships um, that we have and, and uh, like consistently almost filling out the stadium. So it's been a great experience. And even my family settled here as well. I had um, two of my kids here. So it's definitely uh, felt like home away from home. I've seen, what is it, um, sometimes your name comes up because I've seen Finn Russell's heading to bat there next season and they're talking about the, the salary he's on. And then, you always kind of do a search of Google and you see who are the top earners and you're always up near the top as well. I was saying, but I'm always interested to talk to rugby players. It's like, is do, do sometimes the salaries reported, is that anywhere near what you're actually getting? Or is that kind of sometimes do we in the media get it way ahead of ourselves? Like, yeah, you can't believe what's um, always what you see in the media. So let's leave it at that. <laughs> <laughs> um, I was kind of even thinking there about, um, yeah, about some of the guys. I suppose like even your, your own kind of standout memories, uh, like, you know, I'm sure you're hoping to make even more like with Bristol as well, but like what's been the kind of standout memory for yourself so far? Um, I think playing, I think one of the season openers against Bath and the Soda uh, Stadium there has uh, definitely been one of the highlights being here. And I think you, you come to learn um, in the city, the local derby games mean a lot to to the people here in Bristol and 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 to get a win against either Bath or Gloucester is always um you know means a lot to them. And so being able to uh, that game in particular, I think uh, is definitely a highlight. It's just even your own kind of uh even stepping away from Bristol hopes, just your own hopes for 2023. Like have you got any goal in mind that you'd love to achieve? Where with, with Bristol or what, what oh, just in, in your own life, yeah. Yeah. Um no, I think for me, like, you know, I've got a young family. So for me it's always just being able to um, make the most of enjoying my time and and look after the kids and and see them grow, um, so yeah, that that probably be me. Well, that's perfect. Well, hopefully you get to spend a good bit of time with them now over Christmas. Mm. Yeah, for sure. I think that's all we have, Jason, for today. It is. That's it, man. That'll do us. It was a pleasure it as always. Like hopefully, Greg hasn't uh, as always a pleasure, himself. my friend. Exactly, of course. Yep, we look forward to getting into the new year. So thank you everybody for tuning in. A big thank you to our um, partners, Bank of Ireland, who are the proud supporters of the four Irish provinces. Um, And we will look forward to seeing everybody, including Mr. Greg O'Shea, back on the 3rd of January, where we kick off 2023, with hopefully some more magic rugby for the year. All the best. Enjoy the rest of your Christmas. Bye. Bye Bye-bye. Joe presents House of Rugby. Together with Bank of Ireland, proud supporter of the four Irish provinces.